you are listening to Pharmacy IT and Me, your informatics pharmacist podcast. Hey everybody, this is uh, Tony Dow and welcome to another episode of Pharmacy IT and Me. And as with every episode, we start off this one stating that the intended audience is everybody. So today we'll be speaking with our special guest, Dr. Jason Lamb, on what his role is in the pharmacy technology and informatics world. And thank you so much for for taking some time to be on the podcast, Jason. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Very nice to connect with you. I've listened to a lot of your wonderful podcasts and a lot of the wonderful guests you've had on the show. So it's really an honor to come and learn from you and share with the audience. We're really happy to have you share your experience as well. And, um, you know, just uh, to get started off, can you tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself? I'm sure. Happy to. Um, Well, I'm a pharmacist who graduated from UC San Diego, grew up in California for most of my life, and really loved pharmacy when I learned about healthcare and wanted to make a difference. And I really liked the tagline of your podcast, which technology is the tool and patient care is the goal. I think that uh, resonates with me very well because as we advance and get more different types of technology, I think it's key that we utilize those technologies optimally and, you know, make sure that we have things set up for pharmacists and technicians and everyone to succeed in doing their job. Awesome, awesome. So actually, I was curious for you. I know that you had a lot of experience in informatics and technology. And I guess before you got into that kind of role, what made you decide to get into that? Right. So before I got into pharmacy and healthcare, I did actually have some background in web design and websites and coding. And when the dot-com bubble burst around the 2000s, I kind of had to rethink my life and figure out what I wanted to do with that experience and my bio degree. So pharmacy became what tugged at my heartstrings. In 2009, as a lot of health systems started transitioning from a paper record to an electronic health record, that's when I had the opportunity to apply the skills that I learned in the inpatient setting with my prior coding and user interface design to really work with uh, Sharp Healthcare and the evidence-based medicine team here to design a lot of clinical decision support tools. So that's where I felt like it was great to have the blending of the medication expertise that I learned in my PharmD program, but also combine that with some of the user interface and experiences uh, in developing the electronic medical record. When you were working in that type of setting, like what were kind of your day-to-day activities and did you have a lot of projects that you had to implement over time? Uh, Big question. I think what is interesting about informatics is there's always so many needs and priorities and projects that people need to work on. And the challenge is where to find the time and how to prioritize that work. So for example, as Sharp went on the journey to launch their electronic medical record or electronic health record, you know, in the old days, we had six hospitals. They all had their own paper order set developed by their own P&T and physician advisory groups, and they were happy with it. But as we go to a single electronic medical record, what we really needed to do is to consolidate and standardize those uh, order sets and clinical decision support tools. So in terms of what was my day and my week like, I think it would depend on which physician groups were the most ready to come together and standardize and review the content in those order sets, but also using different tools. And I think this is where, you know, ongoing in our podcast, we can talk about my introduction to Lean Six Sigma and process improvement tools, because it wasn't just bringing those physicians and clinicians, pharmacists and nurses together. It was really trying to understand voice of the customer and where are their priorities? Where do our priorities overlap with each other? And when we identified those overlapping priorities, then I feel like 
the members of the multidisciplinary team became engaged and positive and work collaboratively versus a me versus you or we versus them mentality. And I think those are some of the tools that I'd like to get into after we have a good discussion about informatics, which is process improvement and Lean Six Sigma, because I think both of those areas really go hand in hand in helping advance pharmacy practice. Yeah, definitely. I do want to talk about that a little bit later in the podcast as well. And, um, you know, just going into some of the projects that you've been doing or that you have had experience in. I also noticed that you had some consulting experience. And, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm curious about is when in your career did you kind of feel that you're ready to become a consultant and you, you're ready to kind of share your knowledge to improve, um, you know, different clients' uh, outcomes? Right. I think I actually would consider myself a novice in the consulting realm. So if there are listeners out there who have done consulting for years and in different spaces, I would love to connect with you after the podcast and learn from your experiences as well. But I would say really the first step is to show the work that you're doing and ask yourself, is my work visible? How am I shining a spotlight on the work that I do? So a couple ways to do that could be if you're working on informatics or clinical decision support projects, you know, is that visible to just only your pharmacy department or are there venues in the health systems and places you may be working at where you can show that beyond just pharmacy? You know, are there larger committees that you can show at your organization and beyond your employer and your organization? You know, are you going to ASHP, APHA, to the national and state pharmacy professional organizations and presenting a CE? Are you looking to publish your work in some of the journals as well? I think part of going to these conferences and looking at these various journals, we often go there for best practices, but to kind of start and kickstart your consulting and journey and for folks to see you as an expert, it's really helpful to validate the work that you're doing by going to uh, present at a conference or submit manuscripts for publication. All right, great. So Lean Six Sigma is one of the things that not many pharmacists or pharmacy technicians or, you know, anyone in like in, in the clinical side, right? Like it's not something that's very known yet. So since you have a lot of experience in that, can you kind of describe a little bit like just like a high level overview of what it is? Yeah. Well, my first exposure to Lean Six Sigma happened when I was in the informatics team. And at Sharp, Sharp has an internal Lean Six Sigma department where there are six trained black belts and there was a green belt curriculum. So what Lean Six Sigma is, it's really two methodologies. There's a lean methodology where the goal is to look at a process. So let's say you're filling a prescription or let's say you're ordering coffee and you kind of checklist and take down what are the steps to do that process, right? And if that process may take 10 steps, you then from the lean perspective, look at that and ask yourself, are all 10 steps essential? Are they steps that we have to take? Is the customer who's receiving the ultimate product, like a filled prescription or a cup of coffee, do they see value in all 10 steps? And there are various lean tools that help us analyze those various steps and then figure out are those steps essential or if they're not. Or in fact, there may be steps and waste in that process that lead to delay or things that the customer is unhappy with. So the lean approach is to look at that process and try to trim the fat and remove that waste. Six Sigma is more data-driven. So Six Sigma is all about getting data and striving for zero defects and perfection. So in biostats, we learn about standard deviations, which is sigma, 
And things we look at generally may be at a two sigma level or kind of 95% confidence interval. But what if we strove for perfection and say, let's just not get to 90%, 95%. Let's strive for 99.9996%, which is six sigma. So the six sigma perspective is to look at a process, figure out what's the problem. We want to measure and analyze that particular problem. And then using various six sigma tools, then we figure out an improvement strategy. And after we implement that improvement strategy, try to sustain and control that process. So the approach to Six Sigma, the most common approach is the DMAIC uh, acronym, which stands for define, measure, analyze, improve, and control. And oftentimes, you know, when we're all wanting to solve problems, we're excited, we see the issue, we want to fix it, we jump to improve right away, right? But if we jump to improve and we put in two or three solutions to a problem, how do we really know which one worked and which one didn't? How do we know how well we are doing at the baseline before we install those improvements? So really using Six Sigma and that DMAIC framework, it aims to make sure we define the problem. And as we walk through and measure and analyze the metrics that we have, we really come up with an improvement strategy that makes sense, that delivers results. And most importantly, we want to sustain and control those results so we don't drift back to where we were before. Wow, thank you for that summary. And you know, you said that at Sharp, they have like a department for that. So when you went through that training of learning uh, Lean Six Sigma, how did you kind of apply that to the pharmacy, like informatics and operations side? Right. So when I was in the informatics department on the evidence-based medicine team working on order sets, one of the big challenges we had was helping Sharp Healthcare meet the core measure of clinicians picking the right antibiotics for pneumonia. So in the mid to late 2000s, that was one of the most common measures. So if you imagine a patient going into an ER and they have a fever or they have pneumonia, you want to treat them with the appropriate broad-spectrum antibiotic. And the measure is trying to measure that the clinician who's ordering the antibiotic is ordering an antibiotic that's appropriate. And when we looked at the four emergency departments at Sharp, the compliance with that pneumonia antibiotic measure was really all over the board. And I sat in different meetings at the different hospitals to try to get them aligned, and I really couldn't get them to do so because each physician group felt like their patients were unique, um, they knew the best regimens, the antibiograms were very different. So from a clinical perspective, there was a lot of variation. But as I learned the Six Sigma tools going through my Greenbelt training, it really taught me to look at, well, what measurements do we have to start with? So we picked that compliance measure. Then we looked at order set utilization. And what we actually found is that all four hospitals, if a clinician used an order set to pick that antibiotic, at all four hospitals, the compliance was 100%. Whereas if the physician didn't use the pneumonia order set to order the antibiotic, the compliance was really all across the board and there was no sustainment. So my Greenbelt training really taught me to bring that data to the clinician, data that's local and applicable to them, but also show them that when they use these appropriate tools, how can that help them meet the goals that they wanted to meet? And when you bring smart people data and they take a look at what their results are, I think then there was no barriers to getting them to standardize. I think within a three-month period of us showing them that data, they all agreed to one order set. We standardized it across the system and soon compliance at all hospitals really reached that Six Sigma level. Wow, that's really cool. So do you kind of see, do you kind of see like Lean Six Sigma being used more um, in the pharmacy setting or in the healthcare setting? When I learned about these tools, I felt like it was very applicable. Lean Six Sigma actually originated outside of healthcare in many different other industries, Boeing at Toyota and Motorola, you know, those spaces where they're making 
you know, widgets and they're making watches and they're making phones, things that are more tangible. But when you look at healthcare, when we're taking care of a patient and they each have their own comorbidities, they each have their own acute situation, they each have their own pharmacogenetic background, it's very different. But there are still some aspects of Six Sigma that can help us standardize the roles of all the clinicians who are helping take care of the patient and defining those roles, but helping the clinicians be set up for success and setting up standard work. We want to learn from the highest performers in our team. And we want to say, how do we translate some of the great processes or knowledge that our highest performers have and help elevate our entire team? And I think that's where Lean Six Sigma helps us call out what the high performers are doing well and to set up a system that sets everyone else up for success. Yeah, that's really awesome. So I, I also wanted to switch a little bit of gears and talk about your involvement. I, I see that you're involved a lot in pharmacy organizations and also in academia. So I wanted to just ask you, like, uh, what kind of motivate you to remain involved in those settings, too? Well, I think I got involved and I love to teach because I felt blessed that I've had wonderful pharmacist mentors throughout my career. Uh, when I first started out as a P1, P2, in UCSD, there are already so many pharmacists who were welcoming the local pharmacy chapters for CSHP and CPHA. It was great to meet some pharmacists there. And I know that there are some students or pharmacists out there that may have not tapped into those local chapters. And initially, for me, it also felt kind of intimidating. You know, there are all these important pharmacists and very smart pharmacists who have accomplished so much. I didn't really figure out and felt comfortable in the beginning how to put myself in that setting. And I think the cliche that we all hear all the time is everyone says you need a network, right? You need a network and networking is the key. I actually don't really like that verb network because I feel like it's not very prescriptive. That might network might mean different things to different people. So what I what I like to suggest instead of using network is actually replace that with two other words. And the first one is present. So in order to network, you need to be present. You need to be at those conferences or you need to be at those pharmacy chapter meetings. So you're there and you can learn from and meet your fellow colleagues. The second word that I would add is engage, because you can't just go to these pharmacy conferences or go to the board meetings for the local chapters and not engage and interact with people. So I think the more prescriptive way to approach being involved and learning from other pharmacists and paying it forward to the future colleagues and students is to network by being present and being engaged. That's really cool. And actually, the next uh, question I was going to ask you is any uh, advice that you would have for, you know, pharmacy students and maybe pharmacists who are interested in, you know, getting into informatics or even into uh, getting into knowing more about Lean Six Sigma, right? Aside from your two recommendations of being present and um, engaging, is there anything else that you'd like to add to that? I think just know that there are so many wonderful pharmacists who have been successful, who've had achievements, but also learned from challenges in their careers and just reach out to them and learn about their path. And, you know, I, I think I met a lot of pharmacists in informatics that started out in the community setting or started out in the hospital setting and didn't necessarily stumble upon informatics, but I think they had that curiosity. And when they worked in those spaces, they said, there has to be a better, easier way to do this, right? And we all see the challenges and what causes us headaches when we go to work every single day. And we all know when technology is working and is set up correctly for us, that's probably a good day. When we have downtimes or we have challenges or processes aren't there to help us when technology may be not working optimally, then that's probably a bad day for us. So I would say connect with the pharmacists in your committee and learn about their journeys. Oftentimes, wonderful pharmacists who are in the realm of informatics, that wasn't their first job, nor it was mine. 
folks probably had to work in different settings first. And I do think it's key for anyone interested in informatics is it's important to be in the trenches and know what it's like for that technician or that clerk or that pharmacist who's using the technology there. See what they say that they like about it. See what they find frustrating. Because what we're trying to figure out with any technologies, where is the technology rigid and structured and where is it flexible and pliable for us to mold into something that's more optimal for all the people using it. Thank you for sharing that advice. That was really good advice. And, you know, for people who are listening to this episode, they may want to reach out to you and ask further questions. So what's the best way that someone can reach out to you? Uh, No problem. I do have some profiles in various social media like LinkedIn and and Facebook, but I think the easiest way to reach me is probably to send an email to me. And I'm not going to read it off here because, Tony, I know you'll have it available in the description of the podcast. But please feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to meet you in person if you're down in San Diego or to have a phone conversation so we can learn from each other. I'm always excited to meet new people. And for those of you who may have not heard about Six Sigma or are interested in learning more about it, please feel free to Google it. There are plenty of classes for black belts and green belts that are offered online that you can find. In addition, there's also the American Society for Quality. They provide certifications for green belts and black belts. They also have a wonderful body of knowledge that talks about a lot of the Lean Six Sigma tools. So please go check out ASQ's website uh, to learn more information about Six Sigma. Awesome. Thank you. I'll be putting that in the, yeah, like, like you said, I'll be putting your contact information in the show notes uh, for anyone who's interested in reaching out. But to be respectful of your time, I'd like to thank you again for taking some time out of your busy day to be on the show. Yeah, of course. Everyone continue to go out there and keep learning. Pharmacy is a lifelong journey for sure. And also one more thing is that Dr. Liam is going to be speaking at CSHP seminar this upcoming October 25th, Friday at 3.45 p.m. And he's going to be speaking on lean and value stream mapping. So if you're interested, check out the show notes. I have a link to the schedule so you can check out his talk. And I will also be linking some of the articles that Dr. Lam has co-authored if you guys are interested in reading more. All right. If you guys like this episode, you can subscribe and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any of your other favorite podcasting services. You can also follow us on social media on Twitter or Facebook at PharmacyITME or Instagram at PharmacyInformatics or by emailing me at Tony at PharmacyITME.com. Thank you again for listening and I'll see you on the next episode of PharmacyITME. And remember, technology is the tool, patient care is the goal.